You're my best friend. Nobody's ever gonna come along and mess it up, I swear. I mean, maybe like a really hot girl, but other than that, it's rock solid. You're listening to Orville Land, the podcast awarded the Sapphire Star for our duty during the Kalon conflict. Oh, and it is work, Cap. My name is Dan Barrett, and I'm joined here by the regular panel of Orville villains. We have Lieutenant Shelley Peacock. How are you? Hello, very well. Thank you, Dan. And joining us, as always, it's Ensign Sinchama. I'm here again. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I appreciate your presence. Oh, thanks, man. I count on you, man. Yeah. Now, if you're unfamiliar with the Marvel, that is Orville. Orvilleville? Orvilleville, yeah, I should sure. love the name of this podcast. Orville Land, which is recorded in the town of Orvilleville. <laughs> it's <laughs> a quaint place. Yeah, yeah magical. Probably. Yeah. It's got a little tea shop, crumpets, scones, the whole thing. Orvilleville 5 in Sector 7. <laughs> Just trying to bring it back on brand. <laughs> if you're unfamiliar with this here podcast, we talk about the TV show The Orville. We discuss the brand new episode that aired this week on SBS Viceland and available anytime on SBS On Demand. That's right. Now yes. streaming. Yeah. Now streaming. <laughs> this is, of course, fast-tracked from the US. So if it's the brand new episode in the US, same episode here. Except for weeks where it's a repeat in the US and we don't do the repeats here. Yeah, and there's going to be a couple of those weeks coming up, but we'll uh, send out some messaging so you guys aren't wondering when the next episode's going to air. Do you guys know why? Is there something exciting happening in the last few episodes that they're building up? Or uh, This is just kind of how our TV schedules work. Oh. Like, we're used to this day and age of shows just being available all the time, like in just, like, bundle drops and stuff. Yeah. But when they go out week to week, uh, the TV schedule, like, it's a very malleable thing where you need to stretch out the number of weeks that a show goes to wear on. And also within that, sometimes there's other programming priorities that needs to be dropped in. Yep. Like if there's a big sporting event or if there's mm, a new course, thing yep. or whatever. But most of the time, just because i got to stretch it out a little bit. I like to think that they're just making the next few episodes awesome. Yeah, that's mm. what I thought. Yeah. But also on a show like this, I would imagine that production constraints are probably a bit of an issue because there's a lot of time that goes into creating special effect shots. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, guys, every week on Orville Land, we like to remind people what this week's episode was about. And when I say people, it's mostly reminding us. Yes, but Shelley, <laughs> you do us the honours every week, and this week it's no different. Malloy's loyalties are torn between an old friend who once saved his life. I never got to say thank you. It's doing my job. And his duty to the ship. Look, Gordon, I'm just trying to do the right thing. The right thing is to protect him. Do your job. You are on the eve of a peace treaty with the Krill. All right, then I'll just need a urine sample and you're good to go. Yeah, that was short and concise. Yes, very snappy. Hmm. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a lock-fi, which is a uh, prelude to a peace treaty. So it's like extra work at the moment. Mm. They've got to make them feel like, hey, we can sign a peace treaty with you. But they're not quite there yet. No. Yeah. Now, Sid, what's the name of this episode? This episode is called Blood of Patriots. Indeed. Now, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the writings of one Thomas Jefferson. Well, you know. Crickets. <laughs> See, he's got a, got a bit of work here and there. Yeah, uh, the phrase comes from a letter that he wrote to William Stephen Smith. And the line was, the tree of liberty must be refreshed from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Hmm. Well, I mean, they do make reference to the krill in this being tyrants. They're talking about appeasement, which, you know, has happened time and time again in history. Neville Chamberlain and Hitler being one. But mm. um, what was his name? The Lieutenant, sorry, Lieutenant uh, Channing. Who Orin. Is, or, Orin Channing, who's uh, Gordon Malloy's mate, does say that, you know, this, this peace treaty is only going to buy us a little bit of time because they are tyrants. They will turn on us eventually. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, the meaning of the phrase from Thomas Jefferson, which actually applies quite heavily to this episode, is just the idea that you can keep on striving to maintain liberty, equality and, you know, peace. However, to achieve that, sometimes you do need a bit of an uprising and uh, challenges to overcome in order to actually, you know, achieve your goals and your aims. 
Yeah, and I guess that was like the the central sort of point of this. I really liked this episode because it was Gordon's episode. And we got to see Gordon with a lot more sort of layers and character to him, not just that kind of like bantery fella from from Jersey. Yeah, he had a lot more motivation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he was grappling with a lot of stuff, wasn't he? Yeah. Now, in fairness, we've seen him motivated before, but that was usually to meet women, ah. which yeah. is a yeah. little bit gravitas-wise yeah. different. Yeah, <laughs> just a little different. Like, he didn't have to take a spacewalk, nothing that drastic. <laughs> yeah. Or an airlocking. Or an airlocking, as we call it, on Orville land. Yeah. Where Dan's from. Orvilleville. Orvilleville. Yeah. <laughs> Hell of a town. <laughs> now, at the beginning, we see Malloy making maybe the most selfless act that we've seen him do so far, which is buying everyone a round of drinks. Uh, he got everyone some Eldorian vodka shots. <laughs> Yummy. Yep. Yeah. I yep. don't know exactly what's in one of these vodka shots, but Ed Mercer does not care for them. No way. And I thought that was poor form. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to say, hey, look, guys. I can't drink vodka. This is going to be a bit too much, particularly that from the Eldorian region. <laughs> I think people would probably understand. And he's the captain. He's got to say, you know, maybe I need to be a little bit you know, more mm. focused. But I think much like in Star Trek, a socialist state by which people aren't really paying with real money, I'm presuming. But, you know, there was still these time and the effort where someone's nicely gone and gotten you these vodka mm. shots. Yeah. I'm like, you don't just throw it over your shoulder. No. I just think he's really bad at sleight of hand. As a magician, <laughs> I, can, I can tell he's... <laughs> He's not particularly good at telegraphing or hiding any of his moves. No. Mm. But, um, yeah, I, look, everybody has that one drink that they can't drink ever again. Do you think that's what it was, that he just had a bad experience with it? I think so. Shelley, what's that one drink you can never have again? Oh, God. Um, Malibu. Yeah. Do they even sell that anymore or do I just, like, subconsciously avoid that I think section? you filter it out. Yeah, I do. Your I memory just... Around. Yeah. Yeah, I see. <laughs> um, well, mine is actually vodka. Okay. And Passion Pop. And and Slough Gin. (laughs) And Stone's Ginger Wine. Um, What's left? I'm going to stop character assassinating myself here. (laughs) Dan, what's yours? Uh, Look, I don't have a specific beverage. I just have more more maybe a rule, Mm -hmm. which is I don't go drinking with Sid. Uh, Oh, yeah. We we went for a lovely dinner at Hubert's once and uh, we we both got home. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Some of us took longer than others. Uh, Yeah, well... (laughs) Either way, again, enough character assassination. But the brutal part was I come into work the next morning feeling exceptionally shady. Sid, fresh as a daisy. Of course. I'd been there for like half an hour. (laughs) Truth is I didn't go home. I came to work. (laughs) That doesn't surprise me based on that night out. No. Anyway, let's get back to the show and not Sid and Dan's drunken shenanigans. That was really pretty. (laughs) Cool guest star this week. Second appearance by one Ted Danson. Yay. I was very happy to see him again. Yeah, me too. I just love his voice as well. Mm. He seems like such a kind and generous admiral. There's something very warm about hearing Ted Danson. Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. he the head honcho? Do we know that? Well, there was also Halsey. Oh, yes. But maybe maybe like Halsey's more of a sort of combat admiral and Ted Danson's more of a political player. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely got the feeling that Danson is probably ranked a little bit higher because mm. the information he was imparting was of a military nature. Yeah. Okay. I mean, slightly political, but definitely very military focused. But it was definitely a very secret message. Mm. Like it was something which the top brass of... Yeah. What are they called? The Planetary Union. The Planetary Union. Yeah. The top brass of the Planetary Union probably aren't necessarily going to be aware of some of these goings-ons. No. When did we see him last time? I feel like the the buck definitely stopped with him in the last episode. I feel like we definitely saw him in Series 1. Oh, no, it was my favourite episode with all the the astrology. Remember that, you guys? (laughs) All the astrology in (laughs) this space show. Yeah. Which episode is that, Shelley? You're going to have to narrow it down, please. (laughs) No, no, um, no. They were, they were dealing uh, with astrological signs. Yeah. That was the oh, one that they made yeah. first contact with. Yes, you're right. Yep, yeah. Yep. 
that yeah. was a classic and a real standout because I love horoscopes, <laughs> as you all know. Which so. are fictional. <laughs> yeah. I'd forgotten about that, but yeah. Okay, good. This is momentous. Now, I thought it was kind of nice we saw a moment with Tala ripping open the shuttle door. Just a reminder that she's super strong. Yeah. Yes. I mean, we saw that twice this episode. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about my favourite moment from the episode. Yeah. And this was an incident where Tala is forced to try to create some busy work with the crew. Oh, yes. Anyway, she this. tells them that she has, they have to go and provide a urine sample <laughs> and she sends them off into the corner, which, unless I'm mistaken, is the exact same corner that was the pee corner in the last episode. Yes. Oh, well, well, that's a... That's a deep cut. It's a pretty <laughs> deep cut. That's amazing. I love that they maybe they'll have pee corners in every episode. Ooh. <laughs> Fingers crossed. That Funny. was a, that was a good moment though. I just like how those three krill, very proud, very regal krill ambassadors just took it in their stride. Yeah. Took their <laughs> took their little uh, pee cups and. Well, this is the thing because they're at a very important juncture whereby you know they appreciate the political sensitivity of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're playing ball. Like they've never really dealt with the humans on that that much of a level before. So therefore, maybe this is something that humans are demanding of them. No, no, that's absolutely true. And I mean, the krill themselves are from a pretty hermetic society. I'm sure their quarantine and customs laws are pretty yeah. tight as well. Yeah, okay. Avis has some beliefs that they need to adhere to. Exactly. Like you have to put those paper mats down when new customers get in the car. Yeah. Do you reckon on the uh, on the krill ship Dvorkos? Well, it translates to bringer of blood, but you know how they, when you're on an airplane, they come down spritzing the the aisles? <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Do they still do that? Oh, I mean... Like, I didn't get that on my last international flight. It depends where you're flying. Mm. I've definitely had that in places, India, North Africa, <laughs> you know, those kind of... Yeah. I had it coming back from Canada, I think. I was very scared. Okay. Because I've never seen it before. My last one was a North American flight as well. Right. Interesting. Yeah. That, that always kind of. What are they not of, telling us? Yeah. Well, it always kind of gets me. I always feel like I'm in a zombie film. Mm-hmm. And someone on that plane is patient zero. Oh. But. Okay, well, let's move on to different apocalyptic natures <laughs> and discuss the fact that Malloy, when he was showing a film to Helena, he chose to show her the Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. You realise what you've done? Yeah. What would be your go-to classic if you were showing someone that had never seen film before? From Planet of the Apes. Yeah, yeah. Would yeah. Be? No, I'm a big fan of that movie. Mm-hmm. I think it's great. I'd like to see how they react to, like, silent film or slapstick, something like The yes. Great Dictator or something like that, you know? Ooh. Yeah. You've seen The Great Dictator, obviously. Yeah. Shelley. Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? Classic, yes. I've never seen a film. I've just seen clips of it. No way. But have you seen the 1968 Charles and Heston classic, Planet of the Apes? I have. Damn you. <laughs> you blew it up. <laughs> uh, that's it. Sorry, guys. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> Damn you all to hell. You is maniacs. <laughs> wait, is that Homer Simpson? Or? Oh, wait, I'm getting confused. Dr. Zayas? <laughs> that's what it is. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. They've used film a, a bunch of times. We also had Nothing Excepting Fishes in that episode where they showed um, the King, king and I. Yeah, the King, king and I. Yeah, so yeah. It's clearly a favourite medium mm. of the crew of the Orville. Obviously, I'd make the newcomer watch all nine and a half hours of The Lord of the Rings, extended edition. You'd be a terrible diplomat. <laughs> Relations would collapse <laughs> under my tyranny. Sorry. Yeah. Gondor will not answer. <laughs> Here it comes. Bam! So we meet this Orin character, and I'm pretty suspect of him from the get-go. I don't know, I just, I don't really trust him. Well, the manner he arrived on the ship was pretty sketch. He was mm. being shot at by the diplomatic krill ship. So, yeah, you'd be nervous. Yeah, yeah. But 
Well, yeah. I think you're nervous unless you know the person because there's a sense of pre-assumed knowledge when you come across that. So us as viewers seeing him, we're like, we don't know who this dude is. We don't understand why. And usually when you see someone on TV being shot at, it's because I've done something wrong. Well, Oren messed up a little. Yeah, well, this is what we found out. But for Malloy, he had pre-assumed knowledge of Oren, so therefore he just assumed that Oren was in a right. Yeah, but they met each other, what, they said 20 years ago? It was a long time. Which Malloy does not look 40 or over to me. (laughs) No. I mean, and neither did Oren, to be honest. No. No, Malloy would be like surely early 40s. Really? Maybe yeah. I just have a... I, I can't pick age Mm-mm. at all. He looks pretty youthful to yeah. me, yeah. That youthful red beard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How much do people change in 20 years, though? Like, would you would you be assured of his character if he just turns up in that situation? See, I can never really judge this. Like, I haven't seen Sid for about a week now, <laughs> and I don't know if I can trust him. <laughs> in fairness, like, last time I saw him, I don't think I could trust him generally no. either, so nothing's changed. <laughs> As Aww, a flat rule, you probably, probably shouldn't. <laughs> So you were suspicious of him from the get-go, Shelley? Very. Mm. Maybe it was just kind of... I don't think there was a lot of signposting of it. It wasn't obvious in the script, but I was just kind of a little bit suspicious because of the way he reacted to Gordon at some point. Didn't he get really angry and feisty mm. when Gordon referred to Oren's deceased wife? Yeah. And said that possibly, you know, if there was this peace treaty, that her death wasn't in vain and then... Oren flipped out at that. To be fair, I think that's a probably not the most emotionally intelligent thing to say. It's probably true. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, you're right. It was pretty extreme. Mm. I feel like you and Tala are both good judges of character, though. Oh, you both picked you, it. You said. Yeah. I really love Tala. She's yeah. cool. You're also both hella strong. Thanks. <laughs> you should see the way Shelley opens the door to the studio. Just rips it off its hinges. Yeah, yeah. just leave it open. All but the time. then never closes it. Never shuts it. I'm sorry, guys. Grew up in a tent. <laughs> grew up it's in true. a tent. <laughs> Well, I I think I'm actually at the point now where I probably like Tala a bit more than I liked Alara. It's weird. I was thinking that during the episode as well. Mm. And I don't think that the characters necessarily, like, we don't know anything about her. No. Yeah, but I think it's maybe just proximity. We've just spent enough time with her now that it just kind of feels like it's normal for her to be that character. Yeah, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I think she just feels a lot more self-assured and confident, Mm. which I, I think are just, that's what you'd want in a chief of security. And while I liked Alara... She just didn't have that presence for me as much. And I'm sorry if I annoy anybody because I know everyone loves Alara. Quite beloved, yes. But, I mean, this is also the idea of the character, which is that you've got a small, slight lady of whom doesn't really project, like, a sense of strength, but she has. Yeah, and I guess that's what they were trying to do with that character. It's, it's a dichotomy of the character. Yeah. If you put her on a planet with other Zelayans, like, suddenly she does become that sort of small, slight person in comparison to everyone else. But for every other race in the cosmos... Like, you know, she's a strong badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Actually, this brings us back to the reason that Alara left the ship, which is her bone density sort of uh, atrophied over time. Is that? Do you reckon we're going to yeah, see that happen to Tal? I don't know. Of course. I hope not. No. In the magical world of TV. But at mm. the end of the episode, did they not have a way to like, stop that uh, yeah, being uh, Yeah, I guess. Like using the simulator. I guess. Good. Because I, I quite like I quite like Tala and I don't want Tharl to be the chief of security. <laughs> So <laughs> speak for yourself. All right, I am. So, of course, in the episode as well, we find out that the daughter, Helena, had died 20 years ago during the explosion that also took out his wife. Mm-hmm. Did we find out that she had died? Because who is this creepy mute that so, was on board? So she was apparently a humanoid alien called an Invol. Yes. And they have explosive blood. Oh. Which is... Uh, <laughs> well, it's only explosive that touches the air. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but... 
that happens quite often for me. I'm very accident prone. <laughs> but yeah, when that creepy yellow goo came oozing out of her nose, Dr. Claire Finn got very freaked and uh, locked her in a room. Fair what, enough. Um, yeah, it's fair enough. Gross. What did what did Claire Finn get her to do? Like they they sucked it or they pumped in full of nitrate. No, no, they nitrogen? took all the nitrogen out. Oh, right, yeah. right. That's so, what happened. Yeah. And what did that do to her? Well, that stops the spread of fire. Ooh. When you put it in a vacuum. Oh, I see. Mm. Sid. That's why I'm here. Can we talk about one of the coolest scenes in the episode, which is Gordon jumping out of the thing and he's just like flying through space? Yeah, that was awesome. I thought it was very well shot. It was just a really cool, interesting visual shot. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, this is the the end of the episode where Oren was going to blow up the Krill ship uh, that they were going to rendezvous with. Gordon was not having any of it, so he mm-hmm. took out his spacesuit. He destroyed the ship's console, the shuttle's console, so that it was immobile, and he just jumped out while the shuttle blew up. In space. It was like a space diehard. Yeah. And um, it was a really kinetic kind of scene, like really tight close-up of Gordon's face as he's spiralling out after the explosion. Mm. I thought it was great. It's awesome. I wasn't sure he was going to get back onto the Orville. Mm-mm. I was pretty scared for old Gordon. When watching it, I couldn't help but think about uh, Felix Baumgartner, mm. of whom's the gentleman that did the space jump. Yeah, yeah. The guy who jumped out of that Red Bull balloon. Mm. Mm. Austrian skydiver. That's right. Space diver now. Yeah, I guess. It also made me really want to go back and watch Gravity. Oh, yeah. Kind of look like that. Yeah. Ooh. I still think that that's probably one of the worst ways to go, just spiralling out in space alone. Mm. Well, it made me want to go skydiving. And oh. so I was going to say, guys, shall we team <laughs> up? I would love to I go skydiving. I had like an amateur license for a while. Done what? like five jumps. Of course you did. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to do that. We'd have to do it as a trio, though, with all three of us strapped to the same... Yeah. yeah. A triple tandem Orville land jump. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Podcasting at the same time with your podcast yeah. first. How about for the finale? Yeah, let's do that. Okay. 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 <laughs> Lock it in. But yeah, that was a great, that was a great scene. Yeah. Now, all three of us, I think it's safe to say, quite like this episode. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Now, it's quite different to the last two episodes, which were definitely the Orville, but amplified quite dramatically. There was a very big, substantial storyline taking place, but also a fairly big, substantial storyline happening here. But with, I guess maybe the stakes were as high without necessarily being as adrenaline filled. Well, I think the stakes were almost higher because if if uh, Oren had sabotaged this peace treaty, then there'd be no one standing up to the Kalon. Yeah. You know, like, because it, it had a flow on effect. But also, though, like, they were going to wipe out humanity in the last week's episode. Yeah. But mm. stakes are pretty big there. I know. <laughs> it inevitably would have led on to the wiping out of humanity regardless. Yeah. In this one. But we all liked it. What do we like about this episode, Shelley? Mm, yeah, that betrayal. And I was listening to it at my desk with headphones on at about 9.30 this morning, and I kept gasping, and everyone around me was like, what's wrong? I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry, guys. <laughs> such betrayal. Such... It's a really disruptive office environment, actually, yeah. i got to say. <laughs> what about you, Sid? Was there anything that really, like, stuck out as being why you really latched onto this episode? Well, one, seeing a bit more to Gordon mm. and letting him be the hero of this app, which I think he really was. Um, and two, just I, I, I just found it really sad. Like, there's there was nothing he could do for and. When someone is that sort of damaged, mm. like, how can you help them? Yeah. And um, I thought, as the Orville tends to do, that there would be some resolution. They'd try and save him. 
but you just couldn't. And that, that's the blood of Patriots kind of thing going on there. Yeah. So. See, I really like episodes of shows like The Orville and Star Trek and, you know, this kind of thing where it's a bottle episode and it really means that you have to hide in a lot of the character drama taking place and there needs to be stakes that are beyond the idea of just massive space battles. Because I know that everyone got really excited by the space battle last week mm. and it was cool looking. Like, I don't want to diminish that, but I don't find them that engaging. I really just latch into that character drama. And so bottle episodes like this where they don't have the budget they want to spend, like last week's episode, I'm sure it was an expensive episode. Mm, yeah. There's episodes like this where they just clamp everything down and it really is about the idea of, you know, what can you milk out of the characters. And to me, those are the episodes that resonate so much more with me. I'm going to remember this episode, I think, when I look back at the season. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, if Shelley, if you read all the audience feedback this morning, but there was a lot of people particularly drawing attention to the Orville. So when you talk about audience yeah. feedback at SBS, we get a compile of a lot of the feedback yeah. that viewers people, have given people us. People write in about, a, about the programming and that kind of thing. And there was a lot of love for that Orville episode because it was, I think, at a scale that we haven't seen really yeah. yet. Yeah. But it was then, definitely the show stepping it up. Yeah, it was. Yeah. But I think they maintained that tension just in a really different way, which I, I like you, Dan, I actually enjoyed a bit more. Mm. Yeah. Spaceships are just like the perfect place for character tension because it's like yeah. cabin fever throughout. You're just mm. on this one mm. hunk of metal hurtling through the void. It's yeah, great. I just love those Krill characters, those three mm. diplomats. They're so funny. Not enough Bortus, though, this mm. episode. Was there any Bortus this episode? He's, he was on the bridge mm. um, and he was tracking Gordon's flight path, as it were, um, in the shuttle, but nothing funny, really. No, Bortus wasn't funny. <laughs> no, no, which is so... Uh, I don't, shame. Were there many jokes this time around? No, it felt Dan like Dan was there. Hang on, Dan. Oh, Dan was there. Yeah. We're going to get to Dan in okay, a Okay, there's a whole segment <laughs> got, dedicated to, to it. I've got to talk about Dan. <laughs> Dan's going to do Dan. <laughs> Dan on Dan. Shelley, you mentioned earlier the idea of betrayal, which leads very well into what we were going to talk about as a broader subject this week. Curse your sudden but inevitable betrayal. <laughs> Sid, take it. Because of the nature of this episode, there wasn't a lot of science in there that I really thought we could talk about. I mean, science is everywhere. Science is everywhere, I guess. Science was a supporting character in this show, <laughs> in this episode. But in science fiction, because it's such a political genre, it's about philosophy and politics, for me at least, you know, betrayal is a huge trope that happens throughout. So I just thought, why don't we talk about that? Why don't we talk about some of the, the most Shelley gasping in the office moments <laughs> in science fiction? So the moments in sci-fi shows and fantasy shows a bit yeah, broadly, fantasy, broad where now. you've got characters of whom have a major betrayal against the other. So it's really drawing out these human moments because betrayals don't really mean anything if you don't know who the characters are. No. But when you get to know characters, so for example, in the last two weeks of the Orville, you had Isaac who betrayed everyone by revealing he had his alternative uh, ulterior agenda. Yeah, and almost destroyed the Earth. Mm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you that guys... That rascal. <laughs> that cheeky Isaac. <laughs> Do you guys have one that really, really ever got to you? Mm, well, as soon as I finished the episode, I started playing Anakin's Betrayal uh, by John Williams on repeat. So I've been listening to that all day. You know, when Order 66 kicks in and Anakin oh, goes on his uh, <laughs> betrayal, hate-fueled Jedi. Yep, yeah. yep, that's when it goes but down. But it's not just Anakin, though, because you've got all the Imperial Guards of whom are, like working with Anakin and the Emperor, mm -hmm. or the yeah. men that would become the Emperor, Senator yep. Palpatine. Mm -hmm. uh, and, like, they all turn on, you know, the Jedi. Yeah, they do. Yeah, there's that moment where they're on the bridge and they just start mowing everyone down and <laughs> gets me right in the feels every really time. It really does. My Star God. Wars has a few of them because it also has, I guess, Lando doing in Han. 
Yeah. That's yeah. that's a big one. But mm-hmm. he redeems himself. He redeems himself, but still. But also, I always like the way that they played that in Empire Strikes Back, where despite the fact that he does betray Han and Leia and Chewie and C-3PO and Just R2-D2 and everybody <laughs> else, everyone. despite the fact that betrayal happens, he still pretty much explains why he did it. And I think as an audience, you hear that and it's like, I get that. Yeah. Well, maybe that's another thing that I, now that you pointed out happens quite a bit is uh, people forgive each other after the betrayal. <laughs> so <laughs> like Lando, he becomes a general in the end. But I mean, yeah. it was fair with Lando because essentially it's like give up his friend and his friend's friends or give up all the people of Cloud City and further that the people of Bespin. Yeah, true. There's there's also, I guess, Isaac who got forgiven. He was just chilling out on the bridge on yeah. the Orville. Mm. Un- unlike... <laughs> <laughs> I would say maybe Isaac maybe shouldn't have been forgiven. No. I think maybe he's still a possibly evil guy. I think we'll all have a chip on our shoulder about Isaac for a while. Yeah. This is a really apt time to be talking about it, considering it is the Ides of March next week. <gasps> and also considering what I'm going to do to Shelley in about 15 minutes' time. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it quiet. I'm afraid I can't do that, Dan. <laughs> how nine thousand? No. That's another one. You've betrayed me. Oh, why? Why, how? Well, I guess going wider than just friends, betraying friends. Mm. What about like uh, Game of Thrones and the the Red Wedding? <laughs> That's a pretty big betrayal. That's a biggie. I'm getting very close to it. I'm doing a rewatch of all the seasons at the moment in between watching The Orville on <laughs> SBS On Demand. And um, I'm nearing and that Friday episode. And Friday Nights on SBS Vice Exactly right. Mm. Yes. So that's a biggie. What about um, Shane and Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead? That was quite a betrayal. Yeah. yeah. What about um, Castiel betraying Sam and Dean on everybody's favourite Supernatural? Are you guys Supernatural buffs? No, no. No? But we know oh, you are. You've, yeah. You've raised it a few times. And, what is in this every language episode? you're speaking? <laughs> <laughs> um, and what about, I don't know, Loki and Odin and Thor and all those guys? These are all kind of, it's not strictly sci-fi TV series, but, you know, it's a, it's a popular trope. I don't understand why anyone was ever surprised that Loki's intentions may have been slightly nefarious. Mm. He's the god of mischief. Yeah, but not enough people read the sagas. No. So. <laughs> <laughs> Including <laughs> Thor and Odin. <laughs> Including Thor and Odin. Look. What about you guys? What's your favourite? Sid? Mm. Well, I mean, Firefly, I've never understood why Mal forgave Jane after Jane sold out the fact that River and Simon were on the ship to the Alliance because that could have ended that show. Look, it could have, but I always got the impression from that scene because I think about that scene a lot because you don't often see... (laughs) Sure you do. No, you do. Okay, so you don't often see on TV shows a moment whereby one of the characters does something so dastardly but at the same time, like, he's given permission to, you know, maintain being part of the yeah. show. It's, it's not so much as the characters on the show giving forgiveness, but the audience also has to forgive. Yeah. So we saw with Isaac last week on mm. the show, yes, the characters on the show forgave him and wanted him to be still part of their world, but also the show gave certain entry points for the audience to have a sense of forgiveness as well because they put forward the idea that Isaac wasn't there for the original mutiny against the people yeah. of that planet. And he was the, the one who saved the ship in the end. He saved yeah. the ship at the end. So therefore, we're given permission to want to like him. But that episode of Firefly, Jane was a fan favourite character, but the episode itself never really gave us like that end point to forgive him. And that's really rare on TV. Yeah, so and, I think about and, that a lot. And he does actually say, he said, the money was too good. Yeah. Because I think at some level he was thinking, hey, I'm not betraying them. 
by getting River and Simon off the ship, we'll be left alone. We'll be safe. Yeah. But, but he, I think it was important for yeah. that character to betray them because he is a mercenary. He is a mercenary. That's hired a mercenary. Yeah. So he probably should do something dastardly at some point. Mm. Actually, I'm not surprised there's so many betrayals in sci-fi. There's a lot of unsavory kind of yeah. characters. Well, that made me think of um, The Last Jedi and... Mm. Uh, Benicio. Again with the Star Wars. Yeah, sorry, guys. <laughs> but Benicio Del Toro's character as that code, mm. what was he, a code breaker or a... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and what happened in the end? I only just watched it recently and I've totally blanked, but he definitely double-crossed Rose and what's the other guy's name? Maybe I need to do a rewatch of the latest we, Star Wars. <laughs> the latest Star Wars you <laughs> just watched. Blanking. Man, While blanking on this. Clearly not an impactful movie. No. For us. <laughs> well, I didn't really like that section of The Last Jedi when they go to would that you, casino yeah. town. It's would, just... would you say you were betrayed by The Last Jedi? Yes, very much so. <laughs> I I've like, only just forgiven it, actually. I, I quite like The Last Jedi. Ooh. <laughs> I actually didn't mind it either. <laughs> I, I get what it was trying to do. I guess I was in the camp that was like, this isn't my Star Wars. What are you doing? Don't put those Jedi texts in the flames. The thing that is I that now understand. Before I saw The Last Jedi, I saw maybe at least five terrible Star Wars movies leading up to that. Hey. No, I love Star Wars quite as, like dramatically, but mm. there's a number of like, Star Wars films that aren't very good. Rogue One is great. I don't care for Rogue One. <gasps> really? Anyway, this isn't a Rogue One podcast. <laughs> Let's leave this for another time. I was starting to back away. <laughs> <sighs> oh, but yeah. Um, lots of betrayal in sci-fi. Yeah. You know what I felt betrayed by? What? Star Wars Rogue One. <gasps> the storytelling mechanics of that film. Oh, don't even get me started. He's, he's shaking his fist. I was shaking my fist. <laughs> a couple of betrayals I wanted to cite here. Uh, immediately, because I, I knew you guys would go for like recent-ish sort of things. Mm. And it's On like account a, of our youth. Yeah. And account of my <laughs> oldness. Of yeah. Being, you just know. wanted to point that out. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> So I go back to when I was a young man of a glorious time known as the 1990s. Huh? Huh? What? <laughs> what? When <laughs> Thomas Jefferson was around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. When he was writing letters to William mm. Stephen Smith. <laughs> <laughs> the X-Files, big show in my time. Uh, there was the massive betrayal in season three of the program uh, with the character of Crycheck, of whom seemed like he was going to be a, you know, slightly shady but interesting FBI agent, suddenly turns around and betrays everyone by revealing he's really with the bad guys, uh, which earned him the nickname Rat Boy for the rest of his tenure on that series. But there was another show that I guarantee neither of you have either A, seen or B, ever heard of, mm -hmm. called Nowhere Man. Are you nope. familiar with this? No. Okay. This is a 1995-96 show with this guy named Thomas Vale. He's a photographer and he's uh, got this art exhibit taking place, all these photos that he's taken around the world. He does sort of like war zone photography. Anyway, he's taken this one photo and like that's the feature like image of this like show that he's holding. Goes out to dinner with his wife afterwards, goes to the bathroom, comes back, his wife is gone and his entire life has just been erased. Oh, wow. Oh okay, and so the entire series about him going from effectively town to town, getting involved in mysteries and stuff. But there's this ongoing thread of him trying to find, like, his former life. Anyway, the massive betrayal here being his wife and all these other people involved in his life of whom were willing to cut him loose. Wow. Anyway, really What cool. did he I do to deserve that? Uh, Should I go back and watch Nowhere no I mean, Man? Yes, but also no. Okay. All yeah. Right. It's a cool idea, the show itself. Mm. That is a cool premise. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, one of the photos he'd taken had some stuff in it that he shouldn't have taken a photo of and was a way of silencing yeah, him. Fair enough. They should have just killed him. Mm -hmm. I never understood the... Yeah. I mean, that's my course of action when I have yeah. to untag myself from a Facebook post. Yeah. <laughs> but then in the final episode of the first season, you find about the Gemini thing and it's a whole thing. But anyway, nowhere, man. Massive betrayal. 
So guys, it's time to wrap up the show, but before we do, we've already talked about some of our favourite moments and we've claimed that some of the best moments, but I'm just going to ask Roundtable, highlight of the episode, Sid? Well, not so much a highlight, but something that made me think was when um, Malloy went into Tyler's office and he asked for a drink and uh, he went to the synthesizer and two glasses came out. A Zelayan rum and a Scotch neat. What do they do with all their glasses? Whoa. <sighs> Blew my mind. <laughs> Do you, do you reckon they just airlock them all? Yep. You reckon? There's <laughs> just glasses floating around in space. Anyway, that, that kind of got me thinking. Oh, my God. Wow. Because I've already said my favourite thing about this episode was the characterization of Gordon. Mm. I thought he was great. Maybe they degraded very quickly. Maybe. Mm. Shelly Peacock. I feel like I'm going to steal your favourite moment. It's fine. We can have a shared We'll share it. Moment. It's really nice. In the way that we're divided over Star Wars movies. <laughs> we come together with our love of Dan. Dan. Yay. Love you, Dan. Love you, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> only mildly uh, bizarre. <laughs> I just feel like we should have like a casual day, you know? Like once a week. I love that this is Dan's second workplace suggestion scene. Like the yeah. first time he was like, why don't we get some elevator music in here? And now he's suggesting casual, casual <laughs> which is a great idea. Surely his casual clothes day, he's wearing a Hawaiian shirt, yeah. right? <laughs> well, yeah. he did suggest just a T-shirt. So, you know, I'd really like to see that Dan in a T. That other alien was definitely speaking Simlish, right? <laughs> yes. He sounded like a, a Sim to me. Yeah. Uh, I believe the language is Simoleon. Simoleon. Now that's the currency, Dan. I thought they spoke... No, they speak Simlish. No, you are right. It's small in server. Yeah. So it's been a few years. I I am aged. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Dan's great. Dan was a cracker. And he said sweetness again. I want sweetness on a T-shirt. Let's start making Orville merch. It should be the Orville ringtone of choice. (laughs) I'm going to do that. Orvage. Anyway, guys, we're going to wrap this up. But before we do, we've got some unfinished business we need to get through. Shelley Peacock, final question for you. (gasps) What is your favourite Star Wars movie? Go. Um, I think it's actually Return of the Jedi. Really? Yeah, because, and just hear me out, I really love you that. You really have to defend this one. <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember it fondly from a kid, but I watched the special edition, like 1997 re-release, yeah. and I love that song, that banger that's played in Jabba's palace at the start. <laughs> I just love the whole Jabba sequence. I just think it's killer. I love it. Yeah, the beginning of that movie was good. Yeah. And then second to that, I I really like the prequels. Look, here's the Please thing. Please don't judge me. Here's the thing. I can appreciate being a fan of the Max Rebo band. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> the problem that I have, the problem I have mm. is the end of that film gets rid of the best song from the Star Wars series, which is Yup Nob. <laughs> is that the celebration song? Yeah. Like, nah, nah, nah. Where they all sing the, the word Yup Nob over and over again. Yup Nob. Yeah, they're all great, but I love Jabba and I love the prequels. You've seen Empire Strikes Back, right? Oh, yeah. That was like one of the first movies I ever saw in the cinema with my dad, the re-releases, and it's uh, it's obviously a super special film. But that's not the film you'd call the best movie. Um, look, it's probably it to be the best Star it Wars is movie. technically the best, but it's not the one that I put in when I'm re-watching on multiple occasions. It's, it's Return of the Jedi and then it's probably Revenge of the Sith. And then I go back and watch fondly. Don't judge me, Phantom Menace. I love it. I thought you were going to say Caravan I love of pod racing. I'm sorry. <laughs> pod racing was cool. Racing. Now this is pod racing. Look, we've learned a lot about our panelists this afternoon here on the Orville Land pod. Not all the good to know. What about you, Sid? What's your favourite? 
Look, the one I watched the most as a kid actually was Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yes, but is that sir. your favourite? No, because as I've grown, I have come to appreciate rather boringly The Empire Strikes Back. Because it is unquestionably just the best of the series. Yeah, and it's just got that vibe that I like, which is... Hopeless. Exactly. Ooh. Or hopelessness. Mm. Yeah. Mm. On that bleak note, we but must then, take But then you didn't own. tell us yours. What's Empire Strikes Back? Because oh. I'm not a crazy woman. <laughs> <laughs> Good call. Apologies, but I do feel betrayed. I'm just going to leave with that. I said the betrayal was coming. <laughs> Guys, this has been Orville Land. Thank you very much for listening. Shelley Peacock, uh, you don't have a Twitter, but you've got an Instagram handle of which you got some messages on during the week. I did. Some lovely gentlemen reached out this week and I'm so touched by that. I really appreciated it. Love to hear from you guys. So if anyone wants to shoot us a message, please do. Uh, my Instagram is at underscore hellbells with a Z and then another underscore. Real simple. Yeah. Uh, Sid Sharma, myself and Shelley both got messaged by the same person. You got nothing because of your crazy Instagram handle, which is what, sir? It's my magician name at A-M-R-A-H-S. So that's Alpha Mike <laughs> Romeo <laughs> Alpha Hotel Sierra. Nice. But yeah, I can see why people don't want to message me. <laughs> I mean, he's right. Uh, people can find me on social media at the Dan Barrett across pretty much every platform. Also, if you're, you know, on the Apple Podcasts or you know any other platform, leave reviews helps people find the show. And of course, you can find this podcast on your Apple Podcasts, every major leading podcast platform, and also we're on Spotify. So if you just want some casual Orville land in your week. Give us a bit of a listen there as well. Yeah, and keep an eye on the TV guide because, uh, yeah, there's a couple of breaks coming up in the Orville schedule, but we'll keep you yeah. up to date. Now, we do need to talk about that. So there is no new episode next week. So there's no new episode of the Orville, and subsequently there'll be no Orville land that week either. But the week following that, there is a brand new episode. So strap yourselves in. We're going to blast off with a brand new Orville land. And if you need some sort of dates to attach to that, uh, Australian time, that'll be on the 22nd of March. Yep. Back yeah. another Great. See you guys then. Indeed. So until then, my name's been Dan Barrett. I've been joined by Shelley Peacock, Sid Sharma. This has been Orville Land. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, guys. Bye.